This is the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, your cheap seat crony, your bench jockey with a beer. My name is Jeff Carr, bringing you the Reds every day. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast on this Tuesday. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thanks for downloading and listening to today's show. On today's show, just want to do a quick recap of the doubleheader that happened yesterday and take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers in 2019. Before we get to that, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Also, check us out on social media at Locked On Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And then also look up our website at LockedOnReds.com where Dave Pemberton has an article about 2020, what that'll look like for the Reds, as well as an article by Clay Snowden looking at the outfield situation. And I'm actually going to expound on that a little bit later. But first, we'll take a look at Monday's games. Now, they had a doubleheader. One game was in Goodyear as the Reds hosted the Cubs there. And then the other game, they traveled to the Diamondbacks spring training facility and they played that. Both games uh, did not turn out to be wins. The Cubs game, they lost to the Cubs 9-1. to And the Diamondbacks game played to a tie at 3-3. to And, you know, the spring training record for the team is now 3-6-2. Obviously, the record doesn't mean anything if you're allowed to tie, but just kind of a, you know, kind of a look there. And then also individually in the Cubs game, Tony Santion pitched for the Reds. He started the game. He pitched two innings, two pretty good innings, actually. He gave up a leadoff home run to Albert Almora Jr., and then after that settled in and pitched pretty well for those two innings. And then on the other game, Tanner Rourke started against the D-backs. He threw three innings of shutout ball. And then other pitching performances of note, Michael Lorenzen relieved Tony Santion in the game against the Cubs. He pitched two scoreless innings. And then also Jared Hughes kind of got roughed up a little bit. His pitching line says that he gave up five runs. Part of that was because of an error on Luis Gonzalez as he tried to turn a double play ball and made an errant throw that ended up costing the Reds three runs. So, like I said, it's it's hard to gain a lot of insight on the statistics. All the pitchers looked very good. They were working through their general motions and their typical repertoire with ease. And it's always good to hear that. Also of note on the batting side, Matt Kemp hit a home run in the game against the Diamondbacks. That's his second of the spring training slate of games. He is definitely making a case to not be the fourth outfielder. And like I said, I'm going to get into that in a little bit. On the good news side, on the injury front, Sonny Gray actually threw two live batters yesterday. He... That was the last hurdle that he needed to get over before he gets into some game action. We'll expect to see him hopefully here by the end of this week. And then also Robert Stevenson got a bullpen session in on Monday as well. So we'll see how that progresses with his, you know, he had shoulder 
soreness, I think it was, at the beginning of spring training, and everyone was a little worried. You know, shoulder injury already. We haven't even gotten into baseball yet, and he's having shoulder problems. So we'll have to see how that plays out. He's already on the edge of the fringe of making the team. So we'll see if he can catch up, so to speak, here in spring training. We're not really sure there. I I tell you, and, and it's a good piece by Clay Snowden at LockedOnReds.com. Definitely checking it out, talking about the Cincinnati Reds outfield. There are a plethora of options for David Bell to work through as to who's going to be the everyday outfield, who's going to be on the bench for them on the outfield. And there's going to be at least one of them in the minors because we're talking about, obviously, Jesse Winker, Yasiel Puig, Nick Senzel, Matt Kemp, Scott Shebler, and Phil Irvin. you got six guys. I mean, all indications are that Nick Senzel will play some center field this year because they're feeling pretty good about him playing out there defensively. And obviously, his bat is definitely going to get him in the lineup. But when it look when when you look at Guys like Phil Irvin, who is having a heck of a spring, you know, no no skin off his back there. He's hit three homers in the spring so far and batting very well. He just doesn't really figure I, I don't I don't see there's there's a non zero chance that he makes the opening day roster, but it's very small. I think that the outfield that they'll probably roll with is Winker, Senzel, and Puig. At least that's what I'm hoping. Logically, just the way that the Reds have rolled the last couple of years, I almost wonder if Senzel will start the year in AAA, but I hope not. And then also, Shebler and Kemp will be on the roster as well. Like I've said in episodes past, I really think they have a five-man bench, and part of that is because two of them are going to be outfielders. So that that's kind of the way I feel about that there, and... Clay Snowden gets a little bit deeper into it on the website, so definitely make sure and check that out. We're going to take a quick break here for a few ads. When we come back, I'm going to take a look at the 2019 Milwaukee Brewers. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. We're back in the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As a reminder, whenever you get into your car, you can use your smart device to access any Locked On podcast that you so choose. Just simply say, hey Siri, play podcast Locked On Reds, and it'll pull it right up. So there you go. Make sure you remember that each time you get into your car. It's nice and easy that way. In fact, hey, Siri even heard me in the background right there. So I started a little mini-series on Monday looking at the other NL Central teams, just giving a high-level overview of each one. And today, we'll look at the Milwaukee Brewers going into 2019. The Brewers are a team that largely stood pat this offseason. They didn't make a ton of moves. The really two big signings of note for Milwaukee were Yasmani Grandal and Mike Mustakis, who... It is rumored that they're actually going to try Mustakis out at second base and move Travis Shaw over to third, which I thought that's why they moved Travis Shaw over to second base so they could start Mike Mustakis at third whenever they traded for him last year. But whatever, we'll see how that works out. That's going to be an interesting experiment there. But other than that, the roster's not really changed. Their pitching staff, they lost Wade Miley. But they didn't really add anybody. It didn't go out and sign anybody. There's some rumors and 
some fan clamorings for the Brewers to go out and get Dallas Keuchel, but as is with most team rumors in Dallas Keuchel, the hang-up is the years. According to most reports, Dallas Keuchel wants a five-year contract, and most teams are really only willing to give him three, maybe four at most. No one has offered a five-year deal, as according to MLB reporters, when it comes to Dallas Keuchel. So we'll see if that happens. He may come down on his offer as spring training progresses. Who knows? But as far as the pitching goes for the Brewers, they lost Wade Miley, like I mentioned, and they also lost their pitching coach to us, Derek Johnson. He came over to the Reds. So how they adapt will be a big storyline for them, how the pitching changes in 2019. It was a pretty sneaky strength for them in 2018. They didn't have any guys that really – grabbed your attention when it came to them out on the mound. They had a couple of really good relievers. They've got two of the best in the game in Jeremy Jeffress and Josh Hader, but they don't really have that rotation arm that just jumps out at you. So maybe they add a Keiko before the end of spring training, but their lineup is still absolutely solid. They've still got Christian Yelich, who Reds fans know him well as he hit for the cycle twice against us last year. And they still have Lorenzo Cain. And they've got an aging Ryan Braun, but he still showed shades of his former self last year. And, of course, they've got Jesus Aguilar manning the first base bag and crushing homers. That guy is one heck of a hitter. And you've also have the late-season resurgence, or not really resurgence, I guess it's just breakout of Orlando Arcia, who really throughout most of the season didn't have that great of a batting average. I think he hit for under, or I think he hit under 200 for most of the year. He ended up just over 230, so right there around Billy Hamilton range, but he's got a great glove, and he's going to be good for them defensively there in the middle of the field. And as far as catcher goes, last year for much of the season, they had a rotation of Manny Pena and Eric Kratz, and now they add Yasmani Grandal in there, who is one of the top catchers in the game. They got him on a bargain because nobody was really offering him multi-year deals, and so he comes to Milwaukee on a one-year deal. A dude can hit, and he's going to hit well in Milwaukee, so that'll be interesting to see how they do with that. As far as the team's projections go, I've seen a range of the Brewers repeating as division champions in 2019, and I saw one projection that had them in last place. So once again, we see the crazy nature that is the NL Central and how this is going to turn out. Probably that projection was a little biased, the one that had the Brewers finishing in last place, because... As we know, during the offseason, everyone is looking for the headline grab move. Everyone is looking for transactions, signings, trades, all that good stuff. And when teams stand pat, those who run projection systems, those who look at the next season, tend to overlook the teams who stayed consistent with their roster. Like I mentioned, they did lose Wade Miley, so it's not as if they were going to be the exact same team this year if they didn't do anything altogether. But... When your two big signings are Grandall and Moustakis, don't get me wrong, I like Yasmani Grandall and I like Mike Moustakis, but those aren't the kind of guys that really 
move the needle. They're not going to it's it's not the same kind of move as much as I hate to say it, like what the Cardinals did with Paul Goldschmidt and Andrew Miller where they move the meter enough that they've got people now thinking they're the favorites. I think once again the Brewers have almost not not been overlooked, but they've kind of hidden themselves underneath the radar. And that's kind of a scary thing because the Brewers were pretty good last year and we kept waiting for them to collapse and they just never did. So I think that it'll be interesting to see how Craig Council manages his bunch this year as he's got a pretty decent lineup and a pitching staff with a lot of question marks on it. But I would not discount them at all in the National League Central race for 2019. Now let's get to some news and notes for the Reds on this Tuesday. Today, they actually have off, and it's one of the only off days in spring training. I think they only have one more before opening day, and after their doubleheader yesterday, they'll use that to keep getting healthy. They've got Sonny Gray coming back. As I mentioned, he had a successful outing where, not really outing, but, you know, he successfully pitched to live batters. He felt no pain. They said that he felt fine. So he will now progress to the next step, which I believe is he will be pitching in a game here soon. And then, as I said, Robert Stevenson pitched a bullpen session. I reckon he's probably going to throw to live batters just the same progression that they had Sonny Gray go through. And it'll be interesting to see how they go how they progress from there and I also wanted to spend a minute talking about another ringer article about the Reds it's nice to see the Reds drawing so much national attention although in this case it was kind of interesting because the ringer was able to get its hands on scouting reports from the Reds front office for a time period up to 2003 and it was from 1991. So for those 12 years, 1991 to 2003, they said they got over 75,000 or 73,000 scouting reports on all the different players that the Red Scouts were looking at. And I'm not going to go into super detail. You can definitely check it out. It's on The Ringer on their webpage. It's a very awesome article to go through. And they talk about, you know, they talk about at first what the Reds viewed King Griffey Jr. as before they traded for him. And all of the scouts were just absolutely just gushing about Griffey, right? I mean, really, they were saying pretty much everything that the fans were saying about how good he was and about, you know, he's the Michael Jordan of baseball and things like that. And that's really what led the Reds to trade for him. But the interesting thing that I want to kind of focus on just from the article was they have a 2002 scouting report on Joey Votto. And I'll read this to you real quick. It says, to date, has been way out of his element. Not ready for pro ball. The scout said the lefty's long, slow, uppercut swing was not good. And he has a different attitude, probably the result of his Canadian background. He concluded in the scouting report about Joey Votto in 2002, not a major league prospect. Expressed a love for the game in pre-draft conversation, he'll need it. Scouting is difficult because now we have the benefit of hindsight. We can look back and say, boy, these guys were just way wrong on some of these picks. And it's going to be funny to see all the different ones whenever you take a look at it. But saying Joey Votto wasn't a major league prospect, I bet that really 
kind of motivated him to be what he was. In fact, it you know the article even says that according to Baseball America, Joey Votto wasn't even a top 100 prospect until the year 2007, whenever he got his call up to the majors. And hindsight's always 2020. There now we're talking about one of the best hitters that ever played the game. So go check that out. It's over on The Ringer, a nice little piece talking about the Red Scouting Department from 1991 to 2003. That's all we've got for today's episode of the Locked On Reds podcast. I thank you so much for listening to the show. My name is Jeff Carr. I'm your host. I'll be talking to you tomorrow as we'll be looking into the Chicago Cups and what 2019 is going to look for them and, you know, look to be from the Reds' perspective. Thanks again for listening. And I'll see you tomorrow.